You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. It's a joy to be here with you all. It's uh, been a joy to, um, I, I guess it's been quite a few years since uh, I saw Jeremy, uh, Jeremy and Joanna, and uh, Brother Jeremy and I have something in common. We're married to brown girls, and uh, that in and of itself is a challenge. But um, no, we won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> um, but uh, we are so excited to be here with you all, spend some time with you. And I, I, honestly, I hope you'll stop by the table and uh, grab one of the prayer cards, talk to us. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> Luke chapter 4, and if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And I'll read it as you follow along. Luke chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when they had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Verse 21, and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your church this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit, Lord. Guide my, my thoughts and my tongue, Lord. I pray that you'd be with these dear folks, Lord, as they... Uh, Listen, that your spirit would speak to them and that your spirit would challenge them and encourage them, uh, Lord, in this area of missions. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would all hear from you this morning. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as a missionary, I'd like to talk to you about the mission. The mission. What is the mission? And uh, often businesses will have a mission statement Um, even churches at times will have a mission statement. What is our mission? Trying to hone that down. And, uh, but I'd like to ask you this morning, what is your mission? If you were to write a mission statement for you as an individual, as a Christian, what would your mission statement be? How would it read? What would it say? What would be some of your goals, some of your aspirations? This morning, I'd like to share with you my mission. But before we do that, I'd like to share with you his mission. What was Jesus' mission when he came to earth? Well, Jesus came and he read from Scripture, Isaiah. Uh, He read his mission statement. He read why he came to earth. And uh, we just read that there. And I'd like to go through uh, referencing Isaiah 61. Read through that statement again. Why Jesus came to earth. What did he come to do? And uh, first he begins by saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Uh, He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, 
filled with the Holy Spirit. He was able to do the things that he did. Yes, he was the Son of God, but also he allowed the Holy Spirit to fill him, to direct him. And if we're ever to do anything for God, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but ye shall receive power. Where does that power come from? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And why has the Holy Ghost come upon us? Why do we have that power? And ye shall be witnesses unto me. And so Jesus going out on his mission started out by being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, so the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. And so we, we begin to see the mission statement of Jesus Christ, uh, why he came to earth, why he left uh, heaven, the wonderful place of heaven, to come to this earth, to the dust and disease. Why would he do that? He said to preach the gospel to the poor. And he's not speaking phys uh, physically poor, <clears throat> financially poor. Of course, he did help poor people but spiritually poor. They didn't have the truth. They didn't have the gospel. They didn't have salvation. And he came to preach the gospel to the poor, to tell them, you don't have to be spiritually poor anymore. You can be rich. I will become poor so that you might be rich. And so that's why Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Those who had put their faith and trust in maybe a religion or a practice. Those who were brokenhearted by somebody or something in their life, they had been broken by this world. He came to heal them spiritually, to heal them, to preach deliverance to the captives. Of course, those who are captive to sin, slaves to sin, and we all are slaves to sin before salvation. Romans 6.6, 6, the end of the verse there that talks about, it says that henceforth we should not serve Sin. We should not be uh, servants or slaves to sin any longer. Why? Because Jesus came. He gives us that freedom. He breaks those chains of slavery to sin. Recovering of the sight to the blind. They might be able to see spiritually. They're blinded by their religion, by their preconceived ideas, uh, by culture. They're blinded. They can't see the truth. But Jesus would heal that blindness. Of course, he did heal the physically blind. But that wasn't his mission. That wasn't the, 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 the ultimate purpose for coming to earth to heal people. You know, there in Tanzania... Uh, I talked a little bit in Sunday school about our medical outreaches and how uh, we will give out glasses and we'll bring over thousands of, of pairs of glasses um, and for people uh, uh, to be tested and, and fitted with those glasses. And we've had several cases where these people are, their eyesight is so bad, it is, it's as if they were blind. They, they cannot see. And when they put on those glasses... It's like they can see for the first time in many, many years. And some of these glasses, I mean, they're thick, Coke bottle glasses, but they can see for the first time. And uh, some of the providers talk about how amazing it is to be there when they put on those glasses. But that's not why we're there in Tanzania, so that people can see physically. We'll get to that a little bit later. Jesus didn't come to earth so that people could see physically, although he did heal the blind, but the spiritually Blind. 2 Corinthians 3.14 talks about that blindness. But their minds were blinded. And then at the end of the verse it says, which veil is done away in Christ. So through Jesus Christ, we're able to see, to, to be able to see spiritually speaking. He says, to set at liberty them that are bruised. 
bruised by sin, bruised by addiction, bruised by whatever it may be in their life. You think of the, the lady, that uh, the Samaritan woman at the well there in John chapter 4. She bruised, maybe battered even, all these husbands and situations that she was in. But Jesus brought her that living water. And to set them at liberty, them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Of course, that's speaking or alluding to the year of release, the, the year of Jubilee. Maybe a slave or land would return. A slave would be set free uh, 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 that year. And the Bible speaks about that acceptable time. It says, now is the day of salvation in 2 Corinthians 6.2. And so over and over we see Jesus saying this scripture is fulfilled. That's why I'm here today before you. It was prophesied that somebody would come and fulfill that mission statement. And I, that, that scripture is being fulfilled today before you. It's what Jesus said. Speaking of himself, speaking of the reason that he came to earth to get the gospel, to get the good news out, to tell others about why he was there. And so we see Jesus' mission statement. Why he came to earth to share the gospel, to share the good news for salvation. Now I'd like to share just a little bit <clears throat> of a testimony of my mission statement, our family's mission statement. Why would we go to Tanzania? Why would we uh, uh, leave the United States? Why would we uh, um, have all of our children born there in Tanzania? It's funny, sometimes people will say, <clears throat> we'd love to visit you, but, you know, we just got little babies and we're just nervous about disease and all of that. And I want, well, all four of our kids were born there and they're fine. <laughs> um, but, but why would we do that? Why would we, um, I remember the doctor talking about risks when, we, when our child was born. Uh, I think it was uh, David or Kate, maybe it was Kate. And uh, I, I told him, I said, Man, we're risking everything just having our child here. And he looked, he was an Indian doctor. He's like, well, you got a point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but why would we do that? Why would we live in Africa? Is it because we enjoy being tourists, walking around and taking pictures of sites? Is it because we love the animals? Or we feel such a strong desire to dig wells? Why would we go to Tanzania? Let me share with you my mission, our mission for being there in Tanzania. Number one, my mission is to preach the gospel. That's why we're in Tanzania. And I think that's why any good missionary would go. Some way, somehow, they're getting the gospel out. They're sharing the gospel with others. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go, to tell people about the kingdom of heaven. Tell people about Jesus and sharing the gospel. That's our mission. That's why we go. That's why we live there in Tanzania. That's why we, we deal with all the different uh, diseases and the, the issues, whether it be uh, uh, cultural or whether it be the, the small things that are just irritations, electric and all of uh, cuts and uh, water cuts and all of these things. That's why we go to there to Tanzania. And not to paint some picture thinking that, oh man, Brother Jerry or his family, they hate it there and uh, they're just there to preach the gospel. Otherwise, they no, we, we love where God has placed us and we're thankful that God has called us to the ministry there, although it can be trying at times. And so I just want to give a clear picture of, of, of mission work. <clears throat> my mission, my purpose is to share the gospel. So that's sharing the gospel wherever it may be. 
there in Tanzania or even back here in the States. So my mission uh, is right now to share the gospel with others. And so we endeavor to do that. And I, 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 I'm constantly challenged uh, and I try to challenge myself, be a witness, because it's easy to just uh, uh, be quiet about it. But share a track, talk to somebody. We've had the opportunity to meet uh, several Africans, well, many Africans since we've been back just here in the United States. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, visit. I had heard about, we were visiting a family and uh, led several to the Lord there. And I heard about a wedding. There was a wedding going on with a lot of Africans from all over, Tanzanians, Kenyans, Congolese. And uh, I said, well, could you take me there? And uh, so they, I went there and we pulled up and it was amazing. I felt like I stepped into Africa. They were all outside in their front yard. And uh, that's how Tanzanians do it. They don't live inside their homes. Everything is outside. And so they were out under a tree and they had a big pot of ugali cooking up. And uh, over here, they had a goat uh, that they had been um, uh, barbecuing or grilling. And they were all just sitting out, partying, and just enjoying fellowship, talking. And so I was able to call them up. And uh, several of the men there uh, witnessed to them. And one man trusted Christ. And um, over our time, and that's just one story. There's, there's actual multiple stories like that. Over 20 Africans have trusted Christ that we've been able to lead the Lord just since we've been back on furlough. And so that's my mission, to share the gospel. My mission, I didn't leave my mission when we, we left Tanzania for furlough. And uh, so that's my mission, to share the gospel. Here in the United States as we travel, and I endeavor to do that, and I remind, try to remind myself, we've got uh, little cards that we printed, our family's pictures on the front, and then the gospel is on the back. And so we try to hand those out whenever we can. But my mission is to preach the gospel, not necessarily to live comfortably, to, to, to live where uh, maybe I would choose to live. I remember growing up, I grew up there in Tanzania. We went when I was 10. But growing up, I always thought I'd be a pastor in the United States. That was kind of my dream. And in fact, Tim's living out my dream. It was Arizona. I've always loved Arizona. Um, and I felt like maybe God would have me go to Arizona. But when I was 17, the Lord called me to go back to Tanzania. And so I surrendered to that calling. Um, a missionary in Africa, I believe it was an elderly missionary, and I don't know who it was, was asked, do you just, do you, do you love your mission work there? Do you, do you just like it? And this is what he said. He said, do I like this work? No. My wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonably refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. But as a man to do nothing for Christ he does not like, God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go, and we go. Love constrains us. And so that's what presses us to go to Tanzania. You know, we've seen many people come and go, people that are digging wells are going to help this, uh, these orphans or whatever. They always come, but, but they don't stick around for long, or maybe they're there just for a visit. But what constrains us, what keeps us there in Tanzania? It's that mission to preach the gospel to share the gospel with those who've never heard. I think of two men, Ndumbe and Ngerua, and these two men are Maasai. They're actually brothers uh, that we met, and um, they're brothers from uh, a different mothers. So same father, um, two different mothers, and this, this family is a massive family. The Maasai are people that still live uh, 
like Africans did many years ago. They still dress in the traditional garb, uh, the Maasai warrior outfits. It's red. You may have seen one. I was talking to one on the, in the video there. Maybe you saw a documentary about them. And um, this particular uh, gentleman had 10 wives. And so these boys are from two of, the, two of the wives. I got to meet several of the wives. Two of them have passed away, but they all live in the same area. And so it's amazing to go visit um, you know, the different wives, they, they all get along, uh, I guess, and, um, and their family, so the mom will live in a, a hut, and then she builds one or two huts around her. The father has since passed away, but um, we've really never had an open door into this tribe, the Maasai, and uh, when we were headed off to get our picture for our prayer card, our prayer card you'll see back there, our family was all dressed up, the kids, uh, we are all ready to go, and I don't normally dress up like this, suit and coat. I would be sweating through this thing uh, there in Tanzania. So we were all dressed up in a suit and tie and everything to go get pictures. On our way, there were probably 20 or 30 Maasai men on the side of the road, and these men are our guards. They um, are security guards guarding this rail railway, government railway that runs for miles and miles but they're trusted, they're warriors, and so they're guards guarding this. When we saw them, we, I, I, my wife and I were talking, and we said, man, it would be amazing to get a picture with them. So I pulled over, and I said, hey, if I give you guys $4, would you let us take a picture with you? And all 20 of them agreed, and so I don't know how they broke that up, but um, I gave it to the oldest one there, and we took our family picture with them, and some of them are jumping. It's actually on one of the books in the back. You can see that picture. And afterwards, I gave him some tracks, and I said, listen, I'm a pastor, Baptist pastor. I'd love for you to come to our church on Sunday. And if you come, I'm going to print off some of these pictures, and I'll give it to you. And that Sunday, five Maasai came to church. They came to church with their machetes and their clubs and, you know, sitting there in church. And um, it's, it's funny, you have to be careful. Uh, they're because it's a, a blanket or a sheet that's all wrapped around. Sometimes those sheets get loose and you want to tuck it back in. Be like, hey, guys, we're in church, all right? Um, but they came to church, and just about every Sunday since, there have been Messiah that have come to church. And these two men, um, and this was back in April or May, I think, when we took the picture. In June, I baptized two of the first two Maasai that I've ever baptized in our ministry this past June, and they've continued to come. We've visited their village several times, and uh, they tell me, they say, Pastor, man, we'd love to start a church in this one village. There's not one church in that village. Uh, there's another village where one of our sisters, all the men have stayed in that village, so even if they work out, they still, that's their home. The women can get married out and off, but the cattle and everything and the land is there, so they don't, they don't leave. And uh, they said, but some of the villages where our sisters are at, uh, they don't have any church of any kind. Uh, would you start a church there? And so uh, an, an amazing open opportunity to what? To preach the gospel. That's what my mission, and that's what excites me. And so pray with us when we go back. I'd like to start a Maasai Bible study and see where, where that will go. Uh, obviously, if we have a church, we have to have a pastor and, um, and, and probably a Maasai pastor because uh, to be able to, to reach their own people. And so uh, an amazing opportunity, but, but that's to preach the gospel. And that's what it's all about. Um, so one last interesting thing about their family um, 
two things quickly. Uh, I was asking them about their dad, and um, their dad would have been old school Maasai. And so um, the old school Maasai, in order to be a Maasai man, to be recognized as a Maasai man, you had to go out and kill a lion. And uh, so he, his, their dad had done that. And um, I asked him, what about you? And obviously it's illegal now to go out and kill lions. But back in the day, to become a Maasai warrior, you had to go out and kill a lion with a spear or whatever. But I asked him too, I said, man, how is it that you call yourselves Christians? Before I even met them, they called themselves Christian. Um, they have a church building in their village. Uh, somebody had built them a building. And I said, how is it that you didn't know about salvation? How is it that you didn't know about that Jesus is the way to heaven? And they said, our pastors, they don't tell us. They didn't tell us the truth. And <clears throat> they believe if they work and do good deeds, that's what will get them to heaven. Maybe get baptized, or, or, or if I'm kind, or if I do a, enough good deeds, God will let me into heaven. And so that's what we're, a clear presentation of the gospel, sharing the gospel with them. Number two, my mission is to help others, to help others. Matthew 25, 35, for I was a hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we the hunger? And, and it goes on there. That's what we're there to, we, we feed the hungry. We help the sick. Every, just about every Sunday. I'm sure, Pastor, you have uh, things that you do with every Sunday. One of our biggest challenges are people coming up and saying, Pastor, we, we need this medicine. Uh, could you help us? with? We, we, we need to go to the doctor for this surgery or whatever. And so we have ways where we, we do help out with that. And we have the medical clinics and all of that. And so we try to help people showing God's love, but more importantly than sharing the gospel with them. Always gospel-centered. Everything that we do through the jail, we, have a, uh, uh, we give out John and Romans in the jail, and uh, we bring food there, and uh, uh, showing God's love, sharing the gospel. My mission is to see churches started. Uh, we were able to start, um, start a church plant, I believe it was April or May, uh, in Kaseke, Kaseke Ziwani, and this is right on Lake Tanganyika. And it's exciting because this church plant it would be, I guess, a granddaughter church. So we started a church in Kaseke, Upper Kaseke, and about 30, 45 minutes away, uh, they had a desire to start another church. And so we helped them start another church, and they've already started building on that. It's just a tiny little lean-to with tin roof, and uh, they've started uh, getting the, the material to build uh, on that property. And so if Tanzania is going to be reached, it's going to be reached through church planting. And so uh, we have a lot of outreaches, radio, soccer, whatever, uh, but, but we're also all about church planting and uh, reaching people. My mission is to train the next generation, the next generation of young people to serve the Lord. Uh, there in Tanzania, I started a, a Bible characters class every Saturday morning at about uh, 8.15. So every Saturday morning, uh, young men will come anywhere from five, six years old, all the way up to 20 years old. And they come and I teach them uh, Bible character things. So um, how to work hard, how to get a job, uh, how to uh, prepare a message, how to give your testimony, how to share the gospel. All of these things that a father would teach his son. But many of these boys don't have 
that father figure in their life. And so uh, I think of two young men, Derek and David, and these two young men are amazing young men, desire to serve the Lord. Both of them have said, we want to pastor someday. We want to be pastors. And uh, so I'm excited about this next generation coming up in our church. Quick testimony about Derek. One day, Wednesday night after church, he came up to me and said, Pastor, I want to share something uh, neat with you. And so I said, all right. And he said, in, in school today, during our religious instruction time, our teacher never showed up. So every school in Tanzania has a religious instruction time. And any religious teacher from any church can come, or, or Muslim or church, can come and teach that class. We teach in five schools as it is. And uh, every week we teach the Bible. They give us a classroom. We teach and preach whatever we, you know, whatever we feel from the Bible. We give an invitation. Children trust Christ all the time. But in this particular school, we don't have a teacher. And uh, he said, so uh, when our teacher didn't show up, I just stood up and I, I shared the gospel with my classmates. And he said, and pastor, 29 of my classmates bowed their heads and trusted Christ today in school. Boy, what an encouragement that was as a pastor, the fire and the desire to reach others. And these boys, I could go on and on talking about them, and, and, and there's others too. But every Saturday, they come early uh, for the Bible training class. Then they stay. We have prayer time. Then they stay. We have visitation. And we go out on visitation. And then they stay all day. And uh, they would stay all day and not eat lunch. And finally, I, I told one of our assistants, I said, man, maybe we should try to get them some lunch because they're staying all day and they're staying for the Bible club and helping out at Bible club in our, uh, at our church property that evening. And they're just sweeping and cleaning and playing the piano and, and they just enjoy being at church. And so <clears throat> that next generation, I'm, I'm excited about it. You help me pray for these young men. And I could name, uh, name after name of young people that I believe the Lord w- could use and would use if they'll stay faithful. But you know, the devil also has them in his sights too that next generation. My mission is to support missions. As a family, we give to missions. We give so that others can receive the gospel, so that others can hear about Jesus. It was encouraging just uh, this week, uh, Kate and David were talking about giving to missions separate from what we give to missions. And so um, being a part of worldwide evangelism this evening, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And just the few moments we have left, your mission. I shared with you Jesus' mission. We know why he came to earth. I shared with you our mission, why we go to Tanzania. What is your mission? And uh, in reality, your mission, my mission, Jesus' mission should all be the same, right? It's the same. Why did God place you here in this church? God has a purpose. And no matter who you are, no matter what your age, number one, you should be spreading the gospel. You should be sharing the gospel with others. Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. I don't know who, uh, whose quote this is, but every creature has a preacher or should have a preacher. And God wants us to all go out. There's people that I'll never meet, but that you work with every day that should hear the gospel. There's relatives that I'll never meet, but that you know. Neighbors. Friends, family, sharing the gospel with others, serving in your local church. Your mission statement should have, I I, I serve somewhere. I'm plugged in somewhere. I'm doing something for God. 
I'm not just here showing up and leaving. Well, amen, pastor. See you next Sunday morning. Doing something. Everybody doing something. That's what a church body is. We all have something we can do. And if you say, man, I'd love to do something, but I don't know what. Talk to pastor. Talk to one of the assistant pastors. They'd be happy to guide you and direct you and see what maybe your gifts are and your strengths. God's gifted everybody with ability to do something. Helping others. Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to minister to others, not to be ministered to. So don't get... Don't get wrapped up into the churches to minister to me, right? Yes, the church ministers. Yes, you get ministered by the preaching and the singing and all of that. But we need to be looking at how we can minister to others, how we can be a blessing to somebody else. Who are you encouraging? Who, who have you let know that, hey, I prayed for you? The, the prayer requests that were mentioned from the pulpit, and then others. Maybe take a meal to somebody. Maybe rake some, somebody's yard. Maybe mow somebody's yard. Visit them. Be, do something for somebody else. Give. Number D, giving to missions. This morning in Sunday school, I talked about giving to missions. Your mission should be giving to missions, helping other people go where you could never go. You'll, maybe you'll never meet any of these Tanzanians, but by giving to missions, you can have a part in them hearing about Jesus. And then finally, discipling others. Who is it that you're training? I'm burdened about the next generation. Are you burdened about the next generation? Or do you just complain about the next generation? Well, this next generation, man, them and their cell phones and their iPads, what do you do, right? Or are you discipling? Are you trying to encourage? Are you trying to train? Are you trying to get somebody in church? Are you trying to follow up on somebody? Are you trying to disciple somebody? Training that next generation. Obviously, uh, it's the heart of every pastor to train the next generation, but it should be the heart of every Christian. There's a generation coming behind you, and we need you to do your part. Man, think about the wisdom that's represented here just in the, the, the years of church attendance are you who are you discipling who are you training who are you bringing up thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of victory baptist church in roanoke rapids north carolina led by pastor jeremy Coburnett. for more information about our ministry please visit our website at vbcrr.org may god bless you as you serve him this week